So welcome everyone. I'm Natalia Rincón, co-founder and CEO of Chaos. Uh, and welcome back to the Unraveling Cities podcast. In our previous episodes, uh, we have discussed um, the many sides of cities and megatrends, actions, policies, everything that we need to make the built environment and our cities more sustainable and livable. And the truth is that this change would not be happening without many companies working closely with the real estate industry. So today we are going to talk about the people driving the change in companies, the people working with sustainability, prop tech, and smart buildings. So my guest today is an expert in real estate tech and innovation talent management. So welcome, Sana Walfridson. Very, very happy to have you here. Hi, Nat. Good to be here. And thank you for the introduction. Love the, love the title, experts. Yeah, it's, it's good to be here. Yeah, I mean, we see you constantly with the newsletters and everything, like you're on top of things. So definitely an expert. You're everywhere. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So um, tell a bit of, uh, about yourself to our listeners. Uh, what, what's your background? How did you end up here? Like, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So Sana here, uh, originally from Sweden, uh, sunny Värmland for, for those Swedes that are tuning in. Um, I've been in sales and recruitment for the past seven odd years uh, with a gap in between where I lived in California, I've lived in Amsterdam. I uh, did a bachelor degree in business and finance up in Glasgow, hence the mixed accent. Sometimes my team thinks I am Irish. I have actually never been to Ireland, uh, but it is from absolutely everywhere um, and I've now been in London for nearly three years working for El Murray as you stated previously real estate tech and innovation talent management where I head up our European and UK division focusing on commercial hires within startups uh, anything pre-seed to post IPO large corporate as well as investment in VC firms within the built environment uh, and yeah, it's good to be here, Nat. So thank you so much for, for inviting me. Yeah, and I cannot think of a better personality, you know, to deal with the, these things because you're always full of energy. Like, and I when, always when I see you, you're like lighting there in the room. So, well, that's because I've had quite a few coffees. Uh, if you were to ask the people I live with, they would they would not say the same thing uh, <laughs> early in the morning. So yeah, <laughs> that's why. So, so I'm on your good side right now. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for the intro. I think this is really interesting. I'm actually learning a little bit more about you, like from the business side and finance. I also think that you have a very British accent, you know, so absolutely. I, I would never imagine like from Sweden, but yeah. I, I think you have a lot of experience and in your background, you know, to understand the industry you're dealing with, you know, and, and then bring the best practices, but also like the best talent to it. I mean, you you have experience all over. So now you're, that you're working closely with this talent uh, in the real estate, and maybe first I ask you, like, why did you choose real estate? <laughs> Good question. Um, I've always been interested in the real estate market. I mean, you're dealing with the world's largest asset class. There's so much happening. And I know years and years ago, I wanted to be a real estate broker and then I wanted to be an interior designer. And then it was just always something to do with buildings. 
So uh, a few years ago when I started speaking to Ellen Marie and I, you know, got more involved with it, what they were doing and what they wanted to do, it just felt like a very easy choice at the time, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's that's why I chose it. Uh, I think it's a very interesting industry. And the past few years, it's been a great change in the industry. I mean, we got new trends popping up day and night basically so it's always something new happening there's always something new to learn um and that's what i love about it yeah i i think you're right because um i, I remember like having this conversation with some of our customers before uh a bit like uh um, from the previous generations like uh from us and they have said that real estate has been uh this branch that originated from the banking industry So it was like very formal, you know, very, you know, conservative. Uh, and I see nowadays younger and younger uh, business uh, people may be very enthusiastic to join the real estate. I think they're driving a big uh, transformation and, and we're still waiting for that wave that it's going to come. I yeah. think we're seeing already that. But what do you yeah. think motivates like people nowadays in these generations, newer generations, like to jump into real estate? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, the prop tech scene or the built environment scene, it's still a relatively new uh, scene, making it a very attractive space to be in. Uh, as you touched upon as well, I mean, the prop tech scene is here to digitalize, innovate and improve the world's largest asset class, making opportunities uh, for growth like endless. And that attracts a lot of talent in itself. Um, and I think what we found in our most recent salary survey that we published back in September is that the prop tech industry actually has a higher level of employee satisfaction than other industries. Um, and there's a lot of various reasons that motivates people to come into the industry and especially with with young people. But I think the two main things to make this somewhat of a straightforward answer uh, that actually unifies people to come and join is one, uh, they get to work with the most innovative tech that makes great impact on our world. Like they get to be part of driving that change. And that is really something that they're, you know, they speak about their universities, they speak about that on social, but just everywhere right now is being part of that change. Everyone wants to, you know, leave something behind basically. And I think that is, that's definitely something that drives them to, to be part of, you know, the prop tech scene or the built environment scene. Um, And the other one, as I mentioned previously, it is a forever growing and changing industry, uh, which creates opportunities. Um, I mean, just a few years ago, prop tech was a buzzword. Uh, and I remember I still Googling the accurate definition <laughs> when we spoke to candidates. They were asking what actually is prop tech. Um, so it's just evolved so much. Uh, and I know back in the day we were referring to it, uh, this is going to be the new fintech era. And I think we're certainly there. I mean, we're getting there. Uh, I mean, billions are being invested into the space um i think the market size is predicted to be over 30 billion by 2030 mm -hmm. i mean that's a that's a growth rate of nearly 6.5 percent year on year between now and then um so that alone is just a very exciting thing to be part of everyone is so aware now i mean we talk about these things all the time they see news articles information being out there all the time um so there's so much more to pop tech today Uh, or the built environment than it was a few years ago. I mean, now we have, we divide them into different angles as well. You've got contact, mobility tech, uh, 
uh, energy renovation, IoT. I mean, the landscape continues to evolve uh, with new trends popping up all the time. Um, and that's that's definitely exciting. So, uh, yes. So you were also saying, uh, Sanna, here, that the first one is this innovative tech. And then you mentioned the second one. I was still, like, waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. We never got to that point. Um, yes. No, I mean, first of all, we're looking at innovative tech, um, which, yeah, driving change. Everyone gets to be part of that. And then the second one is something I just touched upon very previously beforehand, and that is it is a forever growing and changing industry uh, and that creates opportunities. Um, so, yeah, that being part of that change and being part of those opportunities, um, you know, I don't know how much you heard about it before when we went about prop tech and how it was a buzzword. Um, I know we're going over it a little bit again now, now with technical issues, um, but being part of of something that's forever growing and changing and knowing that you know you might have a secure job at the end of it that is everyone wants to be part of everyone wants to build something and so i would say being part of the innovative tech and being part of something that's continuously evolving and changing um you know we all want especially the younger generations um they do want to be part of something that is adaptable that's changing that they can grow in they can you know climb the the, the ladder of of their career Um, and that's also what drives people to the industry. And because it is that new of a scene, they also get to be part of shaping these companies, uh, whether that's the large corporates or the startups. I mean, they get to be part of, you know, actually having a voice when it comes to, uh, you know, their benefits or the incentives or building the team. Like they get to have such an impact from an early age. And I think that really drives people to the industry. Absolutely. I, I think you're mentioning a key word, which is having impact. And now when we are seeing the the very big trends, like, uh, well, <clears throat> prop tech, we go back to that, like, what does prop tech really mean? And and when we speak about property tech, but we go over that, I, I think it's very, or, or touching a lot into urban tech, like anything that concerns a city. So so the, we, we don't classify also there. I, I think we also have Contec and so on. But um, when we are thinking that, Uh, the trends that we are seeing, which is like this big data that is produced in cities, uh, and then we have this uh, AI and the processing of this big data, but then climate change, which is an urgency for anyone who's in whatever sector or industry, and and we see the younger generations as well uh, having this like hunger to save the world, to make it better, you know, to be more sustainable. So I think one of the things that you can think, like, I want to influence the city, you know, would be real estate. I mean, it moves, like, everything in, in how we experience our, our life. Even when we order something, you know, when we buy abroad or in, in e-commerce, like, it impacts everything, like how an airplane moves, you know, towards, and then, like, a bus Or transportation, like you know, delivering that uh, to your door. So I think this is you're touching that, like the impact that real estate is having, uh, and what is making is why why people are choosing this. No, absolutely. Um, and I think just having 
it is, as you're saying, I mean, real estate is the core, basic core central of everything that we do. We, we wouldn't function today without real estate. And I think that's, that's to be honest, that's something that they, they do very well in real estate, like in, or in university, when it comes to any program, they actually do speak about this. Um, or most programs, I'm not going to say all of them. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the education piece and everyone wanting to be involved in having that impact is super crucial. I think we're going to see a bigger wave um, in the next couple of years. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And have you seen, I, I don't know if you have realized, but at least like uh, in my in my social media, I've been having a lot of um, private owners who are jumping into these like real estate ownership, like residential and flipping houses and so on. It's something, it's a trend that is very hard, like in this generation. I don't know if you know, uh, have more uh, data like uh, regarding those trends, but I've seen that there's a lot of interest also from the investment perspective, uh, like in this generation, like th they want to, you know, create something, they want to secure their future. So they become investors themselves uh, and real estate is one way to really secure yeah. your investment. No, and there is certainly a growing aspect from that as well. I mean, we're seeing a lot more people and I, I think that's just the, the modern age of technology and everyone just sharing their experience. I mean, we have so much today. I mean, we got She Codes, that's for women learning how to code. Uh, we got, you know, She Invest for women learning how to invest. And we have the same, obviously, solution for for men and so uh, and so forth. But it's it's so much information out there and we're just being educated in a completely different sense. Uh, and I think, I mean when my parents grew up in that generation and the previous generation grew up, it was easier to buy a house. Today, I mean, I live in London. Um, realistically, I probably won't be <laughs> buying a house anytime soon. So we need to find these yeah. alternative solutions. And I think that sense, we are a bit more innovative in how, what we do with our money and people turn to real estate uh, probably as a, it's a secure investment. Yes, it will fluctuate, but it is a secure investment uh, because real estate will always be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. So what, what are the opportunities and challenges that you're seeing in, in right now in the real estate tech talent management? Yeah. So it's still a very young market. So whilst there's a lot of opportunity, one's opportunity might be another person's challenge. I will start off with saying that. Um, but when we speak to clients and candidates, we usually divide the talent pool into two very large uh, different verticals, and that is tech talent, and then we got commercial talent. Um, so tech talent, you're looking mm -hmm. at your software engineers, your back front end developers and so forth, and then you've got your commercial talents, and then we refer to sales, marketing and finance. Um, and as I'm sure no one has, has missed, I mean, it's been a tough year. The tech market is still a saturated market. Layoffs are still happening. Um, so the opportunity for this talent pool, uh, I would say, is that it creates options for truly skilled people as there's great possibility to build your career in-house. Uh, and along with that, diversity of thought is becoming more prevalent for the tech talent pool. So tech talent can often come from outside of the built environment, no matter what's vertical within the built environment, but they can come outside of it. Um, so, for example, the large tech giants, Google, Microsoft, uh, or you're looking at smaller startups, but outside of the built environment. So that is becoming a, something that's more discussed on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, 
And I think the challenges we're seeing here is that really specific skills are sought after. So for example, ERP knowledge within the tech environment or the skill set of a solutions architect is becoming more prevalent. Um, so even though employers want these skills, they don't have the budget for it. And that adds to the saturation. So we're looking at opportunities for truly skilled people uh, that has specialized with down a tech vertical, uh, but it creates challenges uh, for those who has not specialized uh, within the vertical. But it can also be nice to know you can actually come from outside of the industry. However, I obviously work on the commercial side and that is a completely different talent pool and that's completely different challenges and opportunities. Um, so within the commercial space, knowledge and experience within the industry is still very much a must. Um, and that creates opportunities mm-hmm. for those who are already in the industry, but it creates challenges for those who want to enter it. Um, so conversations that we're having with candidates who wants to enter the space who might be coming from another tech background, uh, but they don't have that knowledge. They, in often cases, they need to take a step back in order to enter the industry to then take a few steps forward. Uh, and that creates a lot of challenges. Um, and I think, you know, the same challenge here remains, you know, talent with specific skills, network and experience, they do cost money and you do you need to be humble when you set your budgets, especially if you want, you know, you want these strategic hires, um, you need to need to have that have that in mind I guess um so yeah that's that's a little bit of some challenges and opportunities we're seeing at the moment yeah I think you're right in that that we also see that a lot of um uh these uh commercial talent that is coming usually comes from a very big uh, corporate uh either being that uh developer or real estate investor and and you know trying to go into these modernized world like going into a startup where they can actually influence and impact and you know have a saying also in how things go so we are are also saying that but as you're also referring I mean you it's not the same I guess that even when you want to make an impact there's personalities that fit different you know formats so one it's very fit for the corporate one is very fit for startups on the side of startups, it's like a very fast pace, uh, always, you know, light <laughs> kind of attitude. Forever changing. Uh, and you have to yeah. just, <clears throat> yes, you have to like uh, do and manage different roles at the same time. Yeah. So I guess that's also nice and stressful at the same time. But yeah, you, you're very right on that. Um, how do you think or what do you think that, we're going to experience now in this, like, after this market situation, how do you see the the market uh, talent realizing, for example, during next year? I mean, are, are there some things that you see already, like trends developing or some changes, very big changes or something that you're detecting already? That's, it's a hard uh, question to answer, I would say, just because of the, the year we've, we've had. Um, so... I think looking, okay, so taking it back a little bit. So looking at the, the when it comes to talent and like hires we, we've made uh, this year and what our clients have been looking for, it's been mid to senior salespeople. Um, you know, we've had tech layoffs, but it's mid to senior salespeople. And that's been, that's been the trend across all firms, which is self-explanatory. People have had to increase revenue to stay afloat. Um, that's been, yeah, that's been the top thing. What we're seeing now and the trends that we're seeing going in and the discussion we're having for the remainder part of Q4, 
because we are in November. Uh, and and going into Q1, Q2 next year, there's a lot more strategic hires. There's a lot, definitely a lot more discussion surrounding that. How do we take our technology to the next level? So there's a lot more tech hires. Um, there's a lot more strategic salespeople that's coming in. So, and I think the the main thing they're discussing, you know, putting vertical knowledge and industry knowledge aside, the one thing that most clients are looking for now is someone with ESG and sustainability experience. Uh, where that would be with certifications yeah. or, you know, having sold similar solutions or having, you know, worked on a similar service or solution. That is such a trend that all employers are looking for. So whether, and that's something that we say to to Candice, where can, if you can pick up an extra course or do a certificate or do something along those lines, it will help you. Uh, because no matter what, you know, no matter what the company service or products are, it is in the direction everyone needs to go down, whether they like it or not. That is the direction we're going down. So candidates with that experience is is very valued. Definitely. Yeah, I agree completely with this. I And I think you're hitting well first, like a I think you're hitting a nerve there, like every startup had to become profitable, you know, and secure the financing for the next year. So everybody started to look like, okay, how can we become profitable yeah. faster instead of just growing, which grow, of course, is enabled by R&D, yeah. you know, and, and expansion sales in other markets. But uh, I think that uh, this sounds very logical when you're seeking for me to senior sales uh, or yeah. marketing, then you definitely like are putting all the efforts in becoming profitable then so that sounds very very uh realistic uh, uh or understandable uh and then I'm, of course like sustainability uh, i have two questions out of this like first do companies normally know exactly what they're looking for when they're asking for sustainability like knowledge or is this just like a um, title <laughs> no, the short answer to that one is no um it's just simply some to be it's still just something for them to to take a box not all of them absolutely not but the majority um and i think that's just because they don't know what knowledge they are going to need for their firm in terms of sustainability or esg or what knowledge the candidates needs to have had um so it's it's a ticking box but i think what they hope is if they get someone with that knowledge it's an it's a transferable skills so yeah yes and no yeah do you have any advice like <clears throat> because of course you know at least in startups we have to you know really focus in in the key hires that you have to make so uh i guess that one of the advices that that i hear a lot from the board is that don't hire and then create a job position for that person you know, so you have the job position and then you yeah. hire for that. So I guess that a lot of companies right now, when they're hiring like an expert in sustainability, they're going to realize that, that now we have to create jobs for this person. Uh, and I I suppose uh, everybody's trying to get ahead and get the, the best people yeah. and the talent. But when we don't know uh, what we are doing, it only creates confusion <laughs> in the organization. So do you have any advice for that? you're absolutely right I mean it does create confusion and we're having conversations where we've hired people into into companies and then you know a few months later they realize they probably didn't need them right now we're too early um so I think that the mm. advice I would I would have there is take a step back 
the talent will still be there the talent will still come you know come to the market there there's a lot of great talent and because of how universities have changed and how certifications or if you don't go to university there's so many other courses and jobs you can actually do there is a new wave of talent coming into the market um so take a step back actually understand what you're doing and make sure that you have demand for it speak to your clients uh what do they want more out of your service or product make sure you know that market piece before you go and hire something because otherwise you might just make more damage and confusion and it's going to set you back further than if you just took a took a breath uh, understood what you wanted created a job spoke to your clients spoke to the other employees of the business spoke to you maybe your investors like understand the overall view and then as you said create a job for it and then speak to us <laughs> and then we can help uh, yeah that, that would be that would be my my main tip like because it's usually this okay we need this now because everyone else is doing it we don't really know what we want uh but we we know we need something and then they just go hire something because it's high competitor hire that but they're not sure about the skill set that they need yet um and yeah yeah I, I agree with that. And uh, I think you, you're giving very, very good advice here. It's like, speak to your customers. That's the first, like, where are they going? What do they need? And I don't think that uh, you're gonna have like a sophisticated answer. Like, th let's not go to a complex answer. I think that what they're, you have to read in between the lines, you know, what they're not telling you or what they're telling you immediately. Like, I need help in this. And then that's going to be your best answer, your best bet. Absolutely. But also the industry. Uh, I've seen, uh, so I met a lot of VCs as well. I discuss a lot with shareholders and VCs. And it seems that every venture capitalist right now, it's also focusing on sustainability. Yeah. So the funds where uh, it almost feels sometimes uh, funny yeah. that it's just like, you know, this is a sustainability fund and then everything falls yeah. in there. Uh, so sometimes I, I find it really hard to justify that a fund is really investing yeah. in sustainable solutions. But uh, being this the case, I think that investors are also looking that startups are thinking of their own sustainability, things that were not required before yeah. from a startup. I mean, being an innovative company, you're kind of assuming that you're already challenging the status quo. But now it comes also as a requisite that you should have at least someone thinking of sustainability in your own startup. So are startups also coming to you like with these requirements and, and you know, with sustainability specific roles uh, to, I would say, document or prepare for investors? Absolutely. Yeah, that... That is a growing role. Um, I would say we see it more in, in Europe than we do in the US. So we do have an ESG practice uh, at LMRE as well, which we we started about, I said now, a year and a half ago. Um, and there there's an increasing demand for uh, candidates who has this knowledge, who prepares documents, who can see the overall agenda um so yes the short answer is yes but we're seeing it a lot more in in the nordics especially uh but in europe but then the us is is, is getting there but europe is definitely ahead i would say when it comes from from our view mm -hmm. yeah I, I have a similar feeling um 
So uh, another point there, the when you mentioned the sustainability skills, uh, I guess that these, uh, at least for me, so I give you my background a little, like <clears throat> I studied architecture focused in sustainability. So my majors were always yeah. sustainability. So that for me is something super embedded, like how to build a house, a passive house, you know, it was always there. So it's not a trend uh, right now. It's something that yeah. you were taught, like you were taught to think like that. A and then... Of course, if you're growing in these very uh, progressive cities uh, or countries where you're recycling everything and so on, then it's really embedded. Like, do I have to spend and, you know, how, how you do all your life? Um, but I think moving forward, when you're advising your talent to get some curse in sustainability or so on, I mean, is there any concrete curses you recommend? I know there's a lot of like EU... Um, policies that are coming uh, to the real estate and those for sure are something to study and to understand but is there anything like concrete that you mentioned like to this new talent uh, regarding sustainability because I, I guess it's going to be embedded we are going to have it just embedded in our system whatever we we study regarding yeah. sustainability um there's a so Again, completely dependent if we're speaking to talent from from the UK or from from other European countries or from the US. Um, there are they need what I recommend if you can and if you have that uh, possibility and those opportunities. Um, do a course or something that is certified by you know um, you know a, a body of of reputation so that you can actually you know back that up with a certificate. Uh, you know, whether that would be Rema or, you know, it, it, it can literally be anything. I think what we're still seeing is there's a lot of, and what I have found as well, there's still a lot of ESG and sustainability courses that just ticks a box. It's just them explaining what ESG and sustainability is, but it's not so much putting that into practice. Um, so I'm still, I guess, yet to, to find a set of courses uh, that I would recommend wholeheartedly to to candidates to be honest um so if anyone listening in has any great tips that i've missed absolutely send them across um but i think that's a lot well found that and that's a lot of feedback we're getting from clients as well when we put forward sustainability candidates that has not yet worked with in, worked with it in practice which is which is hard because they might be asking of 10 years of sustainability years of working with it in practice, but that doesn't really exist yet because, you know, we're, we're just, we're just getting there. Mm -hmm. They can't expect someone to, to come in and have all this wealth of knowledge and have worked with it across different industries and know everything because we're not, we're not there yet. We're getting there. Uh, but I think just having that realistic approach, but yeah, what we're finding from maybe a bit more graduate candidates is that they know what ESG and sustainability are theoretically but they do not know how to apply it yet. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's <clears throat> there's a lot of like skills that help you with that. For example, if you come from legal side, they're like you're used to follow the trends, so for sure that's going to give you like a head start, you know, when you start reading like what the policies are saying in order to prepare also your company. Um, but then, okay, so um, once you get the talent, so now I'm going to jump to like uh, the the, <laughs> the the trends that we are seeing and, and like what type of uh, people like uh, we are companies are now recruiting. Uh, but how can can companies or startups attract well companies in general? I mean, being startups or corporates, but how can they attract talent? 
and the best skills? And these are two different questions for depending the company that you have. Uh, yep. And how can they retain the talent as well? Million dollar question. Um, and uh, I mean, if to be honest, if done right, it's learning and development. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest issues is that employers today want the final product, if I so may. But the perfect person for the job will constantly change as the market changes. I mean, and as we've you know, said throughout this podcast, there is a forever changing market. And as your company grows, there will be a different need uh, from this person. Um, so that will constantly change. So that investment piece in your employees is crucial for the long term growth. Um, and the very often, unfortunately, short term solution that we see hiring managers do is that as soon as the market changes or your company changes, they make redundancies and then they hire for what's right in that moment because they need it for a specific thing. So they kind of they have this very jumpy approach. Um, and in most cases, that creates a lot more issues in the long term as you will have high turnover rate, you will decrease loyalty, trust amongst your employees, and you will have a forever changing company culture. And that can be very detrimental. So invest in your employees. I mean, listen to what they actually want, because if you have that learning and development piece and you do that right, it just adds to it adds to the culture. It adds to how everyone conducts themselves in the business. It adds to people, you know, living and breathing your values as a business. Um, so it's very important to understand, you know, their wants and needs. Put your employees first, because if you do, they most likely will put your clients first. And then in that case, it's a win-win solution. And that is very often um, very often forgotten I think yeah yeah I agree and uh and this learning and development it's it's very funny but that's very like even if you take it in a personal level isn't that what we all want and even when you're with you know with a partner and and therapy also tells you this that uh you know you have to support your partner in the growth because they will become a different person that you initially like knew (laughs) so I guess that we're all in this path, you know, supporting yeah. each other. And if we make that journey, you know, something that we can actually, you know, yeah. enjoy, then then we yeah. stay. And that being like for personal relationships or for company relationships yeah. as well. Like, I think both, like, it's a very, very logical way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is. Just to link back to to what we said earlier about ESG and sustainability and roles coming up and hiring for what you need. I mean, if for example, if you have if you have a person currently working in your firm and they might not at the moment possess the skill set that you see that you need in the future, if this is a, a loyal employee that's been with you that you know is a hard worker and you know adds to adds to the culture adds to the team, that person might actually have the interest to take on that additional, you know, three, four week course to gain that knowledge. Um, and that's a that's a smaller investment to do than to go hire new people who doesn't know your company culture. They might have a different like it, it's it's something like that. You can also look at like is that investment piece of continuously teaching your employees new things if they have that interest to make sure that you know you have a brilliant team behind you because at the end of the day it doesn't matter how good of a service or solution you have unless you have a good team you're you know you're kind of left left out um so yeah exactly yeah yeah that's exactly right and uh i think it matters so much i mean we always think that we we are rational beings 
and that we just need to figure everything out. But I think that businesses, especially like making business is a people uh, job, like a people person, you know, like yeah. job. So yeah, definitely. Like when we are speaking about, about all these, we are speaking about relationships. Uh, and <clears throat> I'm a bit old fashioned in there <laughs> that uh, I, I really value, you know, looking for uh, the employees and, and making them grow as well. As you said, and, and now now I actually have like a good way to justify that thinking because you were putting it really well. If you hire for that moment, like instant gratification, let's put it like that, then you don't know what's going to happen like afterwards. So you really need to hire people that want to grow, are able to grow, to learn, to be uh, resilient, to have grit, yep. you know, and have the hard conversations as well, because we always will face, you know, these moments of uncertainty where we are pushed outside of our comfort zone and, and we don't realize, like, do I want to grow in here yeah. or not? But if you have the right support, I think it's going to be uh, like paying in the future in, in yeah. really well, like for the company, for yourself, for everyone. So. Absolutely. No, I, I certainly think so. No, yeah, that investment piece and understanding your employees and their wants and needs is is crucial. Um, and oh, um, when we're actually at it, because I know you said it was two two separate things. Um, when when we began when we began the question and I started rambling on, um, I think another thing that is <laughs> worth mentioning is especially working with tech talent is that they want to work with the newest hottest thing on the market. So if you have the opportunity committing capital to your technology solutions uh, is is a crucial piece to attracting and maintaining talent, especially in, in the tech industry. Uh, I mean, working with legacy solutions and projects, just because it's always worked, yes, it's nice, but it's not always the the right move. And yeah, what's going to attract the, the best talent on, on the market if you keep doing that. So that's worth mentioning. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, it reminds me of this book also that I read, like Mission Economy. Yeah, I don't know if you read, read it, that. but it's speaking up. Yeah, it's really good. Mm -hmm. I recommend it. It's like a how a public should also be more innovative, okay. like the public sector. So uh, they're giving an example of NASA. Uh, and of course, NASA was putting like billions yeah. and billions of dollars. And uh, they are saying that everyone wanted to work for the public sector, which was NASA then, because everybody was purring into all the innovation, you know, there. So all the best talent didn't go to the private companies. They actually started to go to yeah. NASA. And then from there, there were a lot of different technologies that were evolving from NASA and business models that we are yeah. not aware of. But it was like a spillover into so many industries. So I agree with you. It's like, we are all curious, yeah. like as humans. So the more opportunity we have to to participate in this like uh, innovation yeah. and, and creative and having an impact, like the more talent you're going to okay. attract. I, I completely no, agree. Hundred percent. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, okay. So. Maybe also just going back to the team side, um, you, you touch a, a very sensitive uh, topic for us because we believe in people. That's how we started Chaos. Yeah. Like we, we thought that 
real estate is not considering the end customer, which is people. Like, how do we like our cities? And, you know, uh, what can we afford, uh, et cetera? Like, what else, else do we need? So definitely, I think that what makes any company and startup is yes. people as well. So do you have, like, any, like, advice with what you see, like, in these matters? Like, uh, you know, an advice for every company to really take care of their people? Like, what have you seen uh, or what can you advise overall, like, that we all can, you know, pour into the team, like, be proud of them, recognize them as well, embrace talent and, and, and build bonds, build really good bonds with them as well? Because after all, we're in uh, a people's business. Yeah. So. Um, great question. And there's this is obviously this is I, I'm in the talent business and this is something that I'm truly passionate about. Um, the one main thing is listen to your employees. They will tell you. Uh, you can't make everyone happy. I know everyone's thinking I can please everyone. No, you can't. <laughs> but you can listen to them and understand that one approach does not fit all. Uh, that you can do. Um, so listen to them. Come up with the the program. So if you are the founder or you're the C-suite or wherever you are in the business. Come up with a plan, uh, you know, whether it's a hiring plan, onboarding plan, benefits and incentives. Come up with that together, you know, with your line managers, who's most likely would have spoken to your employees. Um, because your line managers are the ones who's going to implement this on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't really matter what decisions you make at the top unless they're on board with it. So everyone needs to be on board with it in order for it to actually be implemented to to a good site. So that is the one thing I, I would say. And then I think what we've seen in the past year um, is when your company is going through hard times, um, the first things I usually cut is either, you know, capital to new technology or it's benefits, incentives, learning and development. Don't cut those things because unless you take care of your employees during hard times, they won't have your back, you know, when you want to work towards time becoming into the good times again. So it's, it's very important, um, I would say. I don't know. Now I feel like I've rambled on. I feel like I'm so passionate about it. So I'm just spurring words know, around. Absolutely, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> listen to your employees. Make sure everyone's on board with, with what you want to implement and make sure you have that structure of onboarding, of incentives, of benefits, and keep that consistent. That consistency is so crucial, whether that comes to communication or you know, it can be quarterly lunch clubs or whatever you want to have as um, as a benefit or incentive for that consistency. Uh, but it all starts with listening and sitting down as a team. Because if you want them to, to work as a team, you need to sit down as a team and discuss it with them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that's one of the advices we or like we take into our startup. Every time that we have budget to create a new benefit, everybody decides what benefit. We, we will take. So, and we have like voting, you know. Uh, and also when we need to cut a little bit, we all discuss like, what should we cut? It, should it be here? Should we restrain from this? And then we all, you know, agree again. But as you said, like you're a team and you're in the same boat. So everybody yeah. should be part of that decision as well. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's definitely some, I, I think it's easier um, as, um, as maybe a younger leader um, that has been part of of driving that change and who wants to be part of driving that change because also how we lead teams has changed drastically. 
Um, so there's a lot more adaptability, uh, like there's a lot more change that needs to happen in certain organizations, I think, to actually understand that, yes, you do need to speak to the person who joined a few months ago, who is, you know, who, who might be just, you know, who might be getting coffees, right? Wherever that, wherever their position is in the firm is crucial for everything to go around. It doesn't really matter what function you have. I mean, you are there to work as a team and everyone has their own function to you to go around as a team. So you do need to involve everyone. Um, and I think, and everyone wants to be part of that change. So the sooner you involve employees from the start and ask them to, and they get to have their opinions and, you know, they get to be heard, the better buy-in you'll have from them as well. And the more productivity, uh, the more trust, the more loyalty, it all just cripples on. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, my God. We can really discuss this like forever. <laughs> I'm getting really passionate here. <laughs> yeah. But now now I'm going to jump to like some um, surprise fire questions oh, for wow. you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but here we go. <laughs> you, you don't have to think a lot about the answer. Okay. Just like answer whatever comes to your mind. Okay. So, yeah, I'll start then. Um, what era would you like to live in? Oh, wow. 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then I have to ask why, but later. Um, okay. What's your favorite day of the week? Um, Thursday. Okay. Interesting. Uh, what's your, in, uh, so invisibility or super strength? Uh, invisibility. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> How long does it take for you to get ready? Um, probably ten to fifteen minutes because I'm always late. <laughs> um, so I've had to I had to shorten down my my getting ready part. So yeah, ten to fifteen minutes. <laughs> All right, that's quite quite fast. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. God, yes. Yeah. Uh, what does a person need to be happy? Uh, Family, friends. God, I feel like yeah. I'm definitely putting on the spot. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. I mean, come on, we're speaking about talent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your secret power? Um, I'm very adaptable. Uh, I can adapt to any situation, I think. Yeah. All right. And who inspires you? Oh, my mom. Oh, nice. All right. Thank you. So so you pass a test. God. Oh, I'm a bit sweaty yeah. now after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let me just summarize quickly like what yeah. the points, the key points that you were mentioning here before we start like um like to wrap up things. So um well you told me that you got into this industry initially. Uh, because of your personal interest. Yeah. So <laughs> now you're laughing there. <laughs> I'm recapping from the beginning. And um, so I, I think that you're seeing the same with the younger generation, yeah. just like driven by this sense uh, of uh, satisfaction. You also mentioned that uh, the talent is very motivated for yeah. two things. Like one, that it's innovative tech. Uh, you know, that you want to leave something behind, have an impact. Yeah. And then second, uh, that you're growing uh, 
and you're in a growing and changing opportunity, like a market that is really big and, and growing constantly. So two motivators for people to come to the real estate side. Um, you also mentioned that there's like uh, the talent that you're seeing being hired right now. It's between tech, like ERP and solutions architect, uh, while in the sales size, commercial side would be me to senior sales yeah. uh, guys. But also a super, super big trend, uh, someone dedicated or with experience in sustainability as well. So that that's something to look for. You recommend also that people really start nourishing and, and learning about sustainability uh, as a whole to, to broaden uh, their portfolio or their knowledge as well. Uh, and that uh, in order to retain talent, uh, you have to really, uh, well, make everybody feel like a team, like onboarding them, like uh, speak about benefits, incentives, and overall like learning and development path. Yeah. Like that we we have to have that also to grow in an organization. So am I missing something here? No, um, I, I think you've summarized it um, to, to the T. Um, and I think the I think the two main things I would probably mention is for for tech for tech talent, don't don't think you can't go into the industry just because you're out of the industry. And the same goes for commercial. I know I've said that you need that uh, industry knowledge for the commercial side, uh, but there's still ways. I mean, give us a call; we can absolutely discuss your different options. But there's still there's still a chance to like to get into the industry. Absolutely, that there is. Um, just make sure that you you know if you want to gain some some knowledge already make sure you have that SAS experience no matter which vertical within within the yeah no matter what role you want to go yeah. into make sure you have the SAS knowledge and make sure to study up on your ESG sustainability speak to speak to different firms um scatter the market very important yeah yeah thank you that that's very very good and then just like to end up there's one final question that we ask all of our guests um so if there were no limits, what kind of technological innovation would you invent to make your life easier in the city? Oh, wow. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, no limit aside, I do live in London. Uh, and trust me, the morning commute on the central line is it, it's not pretty. Uh, it's not something I would recommend to anyone. Um, so, and for those wondering uh, who has seen the central line or Jubilee line in the morning, yes, I am one of those who take a step back and then I jam myself <laughs> straight into the full train um, because I do not have time to wait for another two minutes for the next one. So if we can get a solution that take me from A to B without any hassle, any issues, that would be great. Yeah, a teleportation technology that we have I, I love because this is the answer that has come a lot <laughs> so okay Good. we're on to something if someone well, wants to build a startup teleport tele teleportation tele yeah. transportation yeah I, i'd be the first yes. investor please please do create that uh, yeah that would be um that would be the one definitely Cool. So thank you, Sana, really like for being here. I really enjoy the time. You're you're super chirpy, so you really like put like sunshine in my day. <laughs> so thank you again, like for being with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much, Natalia. And yeah, it was great to be here and have a good Wednesday, everyone. Yeah. And for our listeners, like tune in for the next one. Have a nice day.